Chapter 15 of the Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Harvey. The Boy Scouts on Sturgeon Island by Herbert Carter. Chapter 15. Clever Work. Imagine the horror of the six scouts when they realized that they were now completely at the mercy of the storm, since the last barrier seemed to have given way when the treacherous engine broke down. Even brave-hearted Thad Brewster felt that their case was desperate, and he knew in his secret heart that if they managed to escape a serious situation, it must be through a narrow gap. At the same time, Thad always made it a point to put on a good face when up against trouble. This was, of course, partly done because of his comrades, since, as the scoutmaster, he felt more responsibility than fell to the share of the rest. Bumpus had been hanging on like a good fellow. He greatly feared lest some sudden violent lurch of the boat toss him headlong into that yeasty sea, which he was gazing upon with terror. At the same time, Bumpus had been closely observing the actions of the eccentric motor and was one of the first to discover that it had petered out, giving up the ghost completely, as Giraffe would have said. Oh, what can we do now, Thad? shouted the stout scout, as usual, turning to the quick-witted one in an emergency. But for once even Thad was at his wit's ends to know what to attempt. The situation was that desperate. Everybody hold on, was all Thad called back. There was hardly any need of this injunction, for each fellow had managed to brace himself, so that unless the boat actually turned turtle, or at least was thrown on her beam ends, they could not be dislodged. Thad was straining his eyesight as best he could, endeavoring to see ahead. The furious wind, of course, made this a difficult task, because it not only sent the waves high, but as these broke into foam along their crests, this was actually cut off as with an invisible knife, and blown away in the shape of flying spud, so that the very air was surcharged with a fine mist, rendering it hard to distinguish anything fifty feet off. Of course it was the island that the young leader was striving to see all this while. He knew as well as anything that the one slim hope remaining to them must rest upon their chance of finding some sort of shelter behind this oasis in the watery waste. At one time it had been Thad's hope that if the worst came they might find themselves thrown on the windward side of Sturgeon Island. Now he knew that this had been rendered an utter impossibility, because a storm had swept down upon them so rapidly after their course was changed, that there had been no time for the cruiser to reach a position that would bring about any such result. And then, besides, the surf must be dashing high over that exposed end of the rocky island, so that even though they struck, it might be on an outer reef. In such a case, who could say whether any of the boys would manage to overcome the terrible difficulties lying in wait, and be thrown up on a sandy beach rather than dashed ruthlessly against the cruel rocks. So Thad crouched there near the bow, holding on desperately, and hoping, 
for he hardly knew what, save that he seemed to have an inspiration there presently would come a slender chance for them to survive the blow. There's the island, yelled Giraffe, pointing to the right. Thad had seen it before the other, thus called attention to the fact of their being so near safety, yet unable to quite reach it. But we're going along past it, shrieked Bumpus. Thad, ain't there any way we could work in? Um, oh, think quick, please, or it'll be too late. They were moving quite fast, with wind and wave joining forces to sweep the little helpless craft along. Just as Bumpus had said, unless something could be done immediately, it must surely be too late. For once they left the island behind, the whole immense inland sea would be before them, and their hopes of surviving the storm must sink too close upon the zero mark. Thad was thinking as fast as he could. Indeed, his very brain seemed to be on fire. Such was the mental energy he was expending. But really, there was nothing in the wide world that could be done then. True, they had push poles, but doubtless the depth of water would have rendered these utterly useless, even had they started to handle them. Nothing was to be hoped for in the direction of the engine, since that had collapsed in the most cowardly fashion at the first swoop of the blow. What then? Thad had made one little discovery that gave a slender promise of succor, and it is strange upon what a small foundation hopes can be built at such a time as this. He saw that the wind had shifted just a little, but this was enough to carry the drifting launch a trifle toward the side of the island. Now it did not stand to reason that they would strike, no matter how long that shore turned out to be because there was enough current to shear them off. But when the lower end of the island was reached, Thad really believed there might be a sudden inward sweep of the water that had been so long held at bay by the rocky shore. There always is more or less of this eddy at the end of an island in a river, and upon a large lake in our country it may be found as a rule toward the eastern terminus, since the prevailing storms come from the west, southwest, and northwest. The only question with the anxious lad was whether this eddy would be sufficient pull to drag them in behind the island. Upon that one small possibility rested all their hopes. Thad knew that possibly he and his chums might render some assistance at this critical moment. If so be, they were ready. Alan, giraffe, come here, he called out. The two scouts heard him above all the racket of the elements, which, what with the howling of the wind, the breaking of the waves against the boat, and the roar of the surf on the exposed end of the island, amounted to a tremendous volume of sound. Ay, ay, Giraffe was heard to cry in return, as he proceeded to make his way forward, clinging to every object that offered a stable hold, because the wind seemed trying its level best to tear him away. Bumpus also heard the call, but as his name had not been mentioned, he dared not take it upon himself to move so much as one of his tightly braced feet. He seemed to feel that if he did so, it would be at the risk of his life, and the thought of being cast adrift on that raging sea filled him with actual terror. Could those boys have had a vivid picture of that scene just then? 
They would never have been able to look at it again without shivering, because their faces must certainly have expressed the sensations that filled their hearts to overflowing. But Davy, as the official photographer of the patrol, was too much concerned just then in holding on to dream of making any use of his vest pocket Kodak, nor would it have been possible to have obtained any sort of view under such stormy conditions as surrounded them. What is it, Dad? Giraffe asked this question as he and the other scout managed to come close to where the patrol leader clung. We've got a little chance when we get to the end of the island, don't you see? Thad bawled, making use of one hand to serve in lieu of a speaking trumpet. We're getting closer all the time, and we'll just skim past the last rock, and then is our chance. When we strike, the eddy there always is beyond an island. Do you understand? Both scouts nodded their heads violently, and Giraffe called out, What do you want us to do, Thad? We must get the setting poles out and be ready to try and push with all our might and main when the time comes. Everything depends on that, Dad replied, also at the top of his strong young voice. But it may be too deep, objected Giraffe, though at the same time fumbling with the rope that fastened one of the push poles in question to the deck alongside the cabin roof. We've got to take the chances of that. Dad went on, and besides, you know, it always shallows where the sand is washed around the point of an island. Hurry, fellows, because we must be nearly there. He lent a hand himself, for he saw the giraffe was meeting with more or less difficulty in releasing the pole toward which he had turned his attention. Though had the conditions been different, the boy might not have had the slightest trouble about getting it free. The boat was pitching so furiously that he could only use one hand because it was necessary for him to grasp some hold lest he be tossed overboard as a bucking bronco hurls an unsuspecting rider from the saddle by a quick upward movement. Hardly had they secured possession of the two long and stout poles than the end of the island hove in sight. They were very close to it now, indeed. It almost seemed as though an agile fellow might have made a flying leap, and with halfway decent luck managed to alight on the sentinel rock that guarded this point. But no one tried that desperate game. In fact, it was doubtful whether it even occurred to Davy or Step Hen before they had been carried past, and the widening gulf rendered such a movement impossible of accomplishment. But the three lads toward the bow of the drifting boat were desperately engaged in trying to swerve the cruiser more and more behind the island, ere they got so far that they would lose the benefits of the halfway calm condition existing in the lee of the shore. Fortunately, the water did prove to be fairly shallow at this point, just as the scoutmaster had predicted for vast quantities of sand had been deposited there from time to time through such storms as the present one and also the melting of the ice that drifted there during each breaking up season for ages past the poles easily reached bottom and secured a firm hold there so that the boys were enabled to throw their full strength upon the other ends and the chippeway bell was thus shoved around so that the anchor which was watched by Step Hen and Davy Jones, could be easily thrown ahead, 
thus preventing their drifting further away from the friendly shore and this having been accomplished the three scouts were almost ready to drop down with fatigue for they had worked strenuously end of chapter 15 recording by paul harvey